One should always exercise caution when using the secrets of the Ouija board, for you never know the power that you could have. Isn't it called Ouija? I'm I'm sorry. I think it's pronounced Ouija. Is that true? You know what? Ouija's fine. Let's Ouija's just, fine. Ouija's yeah, fine. We'll, we'll, just we'll, we'll do Ouija. You are about to enter a world that blurs the line between fact and fiction, where truth is clouded by imagination. Five stories. Some are real. Some are fake. Join us as we play along with a television cult classic and go beyond, beyond belief. Hello and welcome to Beyond Beyond Belief, episode number 33. I'm Jesse Chapman. With me, as always, Chris Newth. Hey, guys. Kyle Maddox. That's a fact. Tiffany Persifka. Hey, there. And Mark Wahlberg. We are back. Today, we're reviewing season four, episode one of Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, which, if you don't know, was a 1990s TV show hosted by Jonathan Frakes that featured five stories that defied explanation, some based on real events, others totally fake. In our show, we try to figure out which are fact and which are fiction, and we'd love you guys to play along with us. You don't even have to know what Beyond Belief is. If you like strange stories, you'll like our show. We'll summarize the stories we watch today, make our own predictions, and at the end, we'll find out the truth of those stories together. Guys, season four. Favorite season already. Oh! Wait a minute. Do you not remember season three's opener? What was season three? There was an octopus. There was vampires. Okay, so you're saying it could peter out again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's what they were saying. Well, think of it from Chris's point of view. This is his, you know, only season that he can still potentially get 100% in. So, of course, it's his favorite season. All the potential, all the opportunity. No, the stories in this season have are shot differently they sound different they look like they had more cinematic direction yeah there's guest directors we got spike lee spike <laughs> jones we got cool story how many of the spikes and spike from buffy i think he directed oh, the yeah. day fourth episode yeah James. the graveyard episode uh-huh. what is that james marsters i believe Ma- mars marston <laughs> no that's uh cyclops james marsden is cyclops, cyclops. but james, james marsters Marsters? Yeah, gotta say it's that's not what Masters. It is. No, it's not. Oh, you know what? He does the audiobook for Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files, and it is awesome. Anyway, He's back to He's an the amazing thing. actor. Yeah. So Good. what were the actual differences between the season <laughs> four? Don LaFontaine is gone. Oh. He is. He has Long been replaced. Don Let me look up the guy's name. Um Beyond Long Live the Fontaine. Voiceover. Season four. You know how that saying goes. Uh, now I know Don LaFontaine died, but I don't think he died in between these seasons and that's why they replaced them. I think it was just that they got a different voiceover guy. Which is interesting because it's clearly not as good. Whoa. Well, is I mean, the, I, he's fine. That's a matter of opinion, sir. Is the wording the same? U- it's universally. Yeah, is the is what the details of what that voiceover guy is saying the same? Wasn't paying attention. I was too distracted by the voice of Campbell Lane Ooh. who did only the fourth and final season of Beyond Belief. Guys, this is the final season of Beyond Belief. It, def- it looked different. It sounded different. There was a lot yeah. of different vibes going on. Now I he- saw a skeleton, and I don't remember that from before. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Just so everyone knows, we just did a drunk Q&A a little bit ago, and we're working off that. <laughs> well, I've switched over to LaCroix. <laughs> I just had a lot of water. I switched over to Lemon LaCroix. Why do you turn into the alien from Men in Black? I just want some sugar in my LaCroix. We're in an Edgar suit. Is that better? We should get to the stories. (laughs) No, this is great. Season four, baby. I'm loving (laughs) it. You know what? I like that we got a lot of frakes in here and a lot of frakes showing more pictures 
with frakes in it. Yeah, he had a lot of props with his face Kyle's printed right. on it. Frakes on frakes, we call them. I mean, frakeception is something <laughs> I am for. It's a real thing. Season four, <laughs> frakes walks in with a saddle. His, his walk-ins hand. were a lot shorter. Walk-ins were shorter, and his hair was a lot shorter. Yeah. You know, different haircuts, slight but different. Yeah, he, mm. he frosted the tips, so that was kind of an interesting... <laughs> it was a very Mark McGrath vibe, <laughs> Mark McGrath. if I have to say. Do you guys just want to talk about Mark McGrath? No, I want to talk about Jonathan Frakes. Right. Thank you very we much. We do want to plug our other podcast. It's called When It's Over, and it is the Mark McGrath autobiography podcast. Each and week it we happens cover... right after our show's over. That's yeah, why it's exactly. called that. <laughs> That's the time I'll do my podcast again. Let's go ahead not bad, and di- not, not bad. bad, not bad. Let's go ahead and dive into the stories today. We're going to do story number one, which is called The Devil's Signature. What did you say? Corinne was sleeping with everybody in town. I knew she was. I could feel it, I could see it on her face, I could smell it on her clothes. I got a confession to make, Counselor. There was no intruder. I killed Corinne. It'll be our little secret. I didn't love that slut. Not one bit. Jesus. That's a quote from the episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. No, I wasn't talking to you, Mark. <laughs> Chris, you're going to give us the story summary. What is it? Yeah, so... um, there is a guy that, uh, who did you guys think that this guy looked like? <laughs> <laughs> what? I really thought Chris's summary was going to be the shortest. <laughs> like right before the story. I don't know. solid, right? I don't yeah. know if we thought this guy looked like anybody. Okay, Jason Sudeikis. It's, what? That's the guy <laughs> who killed uh, his wife. And he's in court, and his lawyer is representing him. And the jury finds... This guy, not guilty. And the guy admits, he whispers to his lawyer, "You, I think you... I didn't love that slut, not one bit. And then he says... I didn't write that part down. <laughs> oh, I killed her. <laughs> the lawyer feels devastated. He really believed that this guy was innocent. Uh, also, the guy apparently, in a, in a nice gesture, gave him a pen. <laughs> a very nice pen. The lawyer couldn't live with himself for holding onto this pen because he hated everything this guy represented. So he walked up to the guy in an elevator and he threw the pen back at him. As soon as the interaction ended and he started, the murderer started walking into the elevator, he tripped and fell on the pen, which impaled him and killed him. So this story is asking us to believe, is it possible that a man can admit guilt to a murder and then fate can take its course and seek vengeance through the elevator kind of (laughs) jostling and him tripping and impaling himself with a fancy pen? Um, What's the kernel of truth here, guys? A guy trips over uh, and impales himself with a pen and that's it? Yeah, I mean, I also was kind of wondering would the lawyer who his point of view makes this story because the guy only told him that he was a murderer. So after the guy randomly impales himself with a pen, would he be like, oh, by the way, he just said he did it. 
Like, right. why would the I lawyer just, do that though? It, yeah, no, exactly. He wouldn't. So how would the story get out? If he's not telling that part of his perspective of the story, would anyone really care? And how would it, get, I don't know that that was my one big thing was I was like, it really depends on the lawyer being like, Oh, by the way, the guy I just got off. Well, he actually whispered that he murdered her. And this I'm was the sure. pen that he gave, that she gave him. <laughs> I am what, sure what a weird coincidence. that came up in the police report of this guy's death. What did it have? It didn't have to. All he had to say was, I gave him back his pen and he tripped and the elevator just kept closing on him. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine him saying this and not laughing. <laughs> yeah, this is a really... Okay. I mean, I'm more with Mark. This one felt um, a little lackluster to me, which is funny because we did an Instagram live uh, leading up to this and one of the people in the in the Instagram live was like, good luck, that story sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that It's not true. <laughs> Chris was yeah, But it seems so possible. Like, Somebody just like trips and way, dies way by too possible, something though. they're holding. Yeah, or... way yeah. too possible. Actually, well, again, just because it's possible doesn't mean it happened. No, that's very right. true. And We've it, been fooled before. It definitely didn't happen this way. Like, that part is a little ridiculous, that he would go back that day, give him the pen back to him, and then he would trip in the elevator and die. Because then it seems very... I yeah. think he probably just died maybe a few weeks or months later. And why is the court... Not to do with mm-hmm. a pen, probably. And this all happened in the 1800s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it happened in the 1850s. <laughs> and why is the, why is the, why is the courtroom so hot that you need one of those fans, the manual fans? The old-timey fans? No, the, the fans that spin like half a mile an hour and don't blow air anywhere? Yeah. Why do you need that in a courtroom? Because it's in the South. Oh, it was the South. The, had mm-hmm. the South. I like how you South. And South. What was the, the Southern south? rule? The walls were yellow, which gave the impression of being inside a fried egg. Well. Wow. God damn it, Maggie. We should have a prediction. I was turned on when Kyle spoke, and then whatever you said, Mark, <laughs> turned me right off. That's fair. Yeah. That's um, fair. Yeah, this is a strange one, guys. Very straightforward. But yeah, let's go on, uh, on to predictions here. Fact or fiction. First up, Chris, what do you think? I don't know. There's some of these other stories I'm looking into. I'm not so sure. I'm going to say, I'm going to say fact. Mark? It, it seemed writery. So I'm going to go fiction. Tiffany? I just don't understand how the story got out. And as much as it's technically plausible, it just felt a little silly. So I'm going to go fiction. Kyle? This is kind of the opposite of the complicated rule where it was just so simple. There wasn't enough ambiguity in this one. So I'm going to go false. Okay. Fiction. As some people say. (laughs) False fiction. I'll go last. Uh, We have four stories. We got to throw one more in. We have nothing. Write something quick, guys. So I I think this is just an 11th hour kind of last minute edition. I'm going to go fiction. All right. And the last prediction that we make every week on our show is the prediction of random chance. Is the brain power that we use and the analysis that we use actually helpful? Or will random chal- random chomps out predict us? <laughs> Bring back the coin. We're going to flip a coin. Heads means that the coin is predicting fact. Tails means that the coin is predicting fiction. Let's find out what the coin's prediction is. Fact. All right, the coin is going to predict fact, and we are going to move on to story number two, which is called Mail Order Degree. Hello, I'm Charles Lund, president and founder of NTTA, the National Technical Trading Academy. In just three short weeks, you'll become a highly paid and sought-after computer technician at a cost for the entire course of only $9.99.95. 
you have my guarantee that an NTTA diploma will get you a high-paying job in computer electronics. Computer electronics? Or I'll personally refund your money. This story starts with a very Paul Verhoeven, as Mark liked to point out, yeah. like RoboCop-style TV commercial. Mm-hmm. Very satirical. Yeah. Very satirical, kind of. over the top. They actually had to delay the, cr- the, the credits at the beginning because it would have looked like it was on the screen for the infomercial. I yes. don't know if you guys noticed oh, that. Interesting. interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. They were, they were delayed quite a bit. Yeah. Well, I'll give you the story summary here. Hmm. This is mail order degree. So basically what happens is there's this scam artist who runs just like a TV commercial college and it's a complete scam. So one of the students who graduates from the school confronts the guy who owns it in a parking garage and goes, Hey man, I want my money back. I've not gotten a job. It's been months. And the guy's like, look, man, I've never declared that you're going to like certainly get a job or whatever. And then the other guy takes out a voodoo doll drops it on the ground and then security comes over and sees the scuffling going on takes the guy away and um next scene cut (laughs) to he has this like vault of money that he's counting and he moves this really heavy like bookcase away and he keeps all his money in this um kind of like hole in the wall because he doesn't want to claim it for taxes and so he's getting sicker and sicker over the course of this episode and the implication is of course the voodoo doll has something to do with it but When he dies, which he does, it is revealed that the bookcase that he's moving away from the wall to store his money in is actually made of lead and was protecting him from radiation coming through the wall from a radiology center next door. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it was it was it there the, was lead in the wall. Oh, lead yeah. in the wall. He, he built. He had the the bookcase made into a movable bookcase, and then had the wall had a hole punched oh, okay, in the wall. Okay, there you go. So that he could hide his. So money when he back punched there. the hole, so through now the it wall. makes total sense. Oh yeah, <laughs> now in fact, um, so this story is asking us to believe: is it possible that a man stores money in a wall? And because he stores money in a wall, he ends up dying because of that. Realistically, based on this story, the voodoo doll comes into play. Not at all. <laughs> so much well, so that I totally didn't even know that happened. Yeah. yeah. You when missed... I was describing it, you it looked at me like, what are you talking well, about? Well, there was a dollar bill in the voodoo doll, which leads me to think that uh, mm. the money part of the voodoo doll is what it is. Like, the money will bring his downfall. Right. But the fact Which that they it explained does. it completely logically kind of takes that okay. away. Yeah. I have to interrupt here. I have to say. Oh, Chris, you have something? Oh. Usually I'm not the person who brings up the kernel of truth in this. But I will say this. A scam artist gets cancer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Huh? Coincidence. It happens to have an office next to a radiology department. Okay. If that, Maybe. if it goes through an office... Okay. Someone's getting I sued. feel really bad for all of the people who work at that radiology department. Do you, th- you know what I mean? Do they all look like that? <laughs> yeah, this guy, to, uh. to paint a picture, he was, um, his hair started falling out, his teeth, start, he could pull out his teeth. He looked, uh, if anyone's seen the movie The Fly, it was exactly like that transformation. Well, it could have been the, the piece of equipment in the building was, was encased in something. But or, the back had, was exposed. Well, and no, it was no, it was the not. There was a lead box put around it, and the guy decided to break through that lead box on his end. See, that's my problem: is the whole lead wall thing. This is my issue with it. The guy's busting through a wall, and he hits a sheet of lead, 
Like, there's a sheet of lead in the wall. That is an unusual thing. I mean, he didn't seem like the smartest tool in the shed. <laughs> well, smart enough to create Scam this entire people? empire. I mean, I don't know if I call it an it's empire. Not like, I mean, it's not like someone who, who you know, yeah. could do that. I mean, a, she- a sheet of lead, tool? a piece of lead is Sharpest. stops bullets. <laughs> I mean, you've got Kevlar. You've got lead vests lead stopping bullets. And this guy's just going to punch through it with a hammer? <laughs> like, come on. Come what? on, Jesse. What? Yeah. I didn't do it. I didn't punch through. Anywho, yeah. So I have a logistical problem with this story. It's just, you know, it's the first time I feel like we had like a body horror kind of like <laughs> segment in the tradition. No, sense. that's not true. We've had the the woman with the burn scars. We had the rabbit face in the in uh, the in right. the mirror. This just feels very like sci-fi. True. Well, that's true. It, feels it definitely like did. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It just reminded you of the fly, Mark. Yeah, it's all it was. It reminded me of Thinner. Paint Thinner? thinner. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephen King's Paint Thinner. Yeah, but the voodoo doll didn't have <laughs> shit to do with anything. Oh, that. I keep forgetting. Even now, I'm forgetting that there was a voodoo doll involved. <laughs> what was the last voodoo do? St- <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go into predictions. Tiffany, fact or fiction? It just seems so silly overall. So I'm going to say fiction. Kyle. No one's going to accidentally punch down a lead wall. Fiction. Mark. I'm saying fact. <laughs> because I really liked it. Chris. I'm going to use my time to ask a quick question. What was the answer to the last voodoo story? I believe that was fact. Oh, man. Well, that makes me want to say that this. That was season one, though. Oh, and things have changed radically. So I'm going to say fiction. Voodoo Doll was fiction back in season one, episode five. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Well, you've locked it in and I'll go last. <laughs> is it possible that a guy just gets sick and then and, and there's some sort of weird element in the building that made him sick? Yeah, fact. All right, guys, let's go ahead and flip a coin. Chris, I didn't know. I locked in that answer. The coin is going to vote fiction, and we are going to move on to story number three, which is called The Newsstand. Hey, mister. What do you want? How much you give me for this? Pretty good condition. You steal it? No. I found it in a dumpster, I swear. I'll give you 10 bucks. 20. And that hoagie sandwich you guys sitting over there. Got a deal. Jonathan Frakes pulls out a porn magazine and says, I read this for the articles. That was awful. It's a new low for <laughs> Frakes. Are you kidding me? It's a new high. <laughs> it's my hero. Sorry, I misspoke. <laughs> Kyle, you're going to give us a story summary. What happened here? So there's a 15-year-old homeless kid named Vinny who finds a old, perfectly preserved magazine under a dumpster and looking for a quick buck he goes to the closest newsstand to sell it and as he's walking away the older man uh, offers him a job working at the newsstand which he takes time goes by and they have a good working relationship and he's helping the kid learn and everything and uh, eventually the older guy disappears and later on uh, his lawyer shows up with a note and a message telling Vinny that the older man has passed away from a brain tumor and that he wanted him to have this note. So he opens it up, and the note reads that this man recognized Vinny right when he saw him because he was his father who had abandoned him 
when he was a small child and that he didn't give him anything back then. He was a bad dad. And so he wanted to give him everything he had these days, which was the newsstand and $50,000. So that is this story. It's kind of a touching story. Yeah. So this story is asking us to believe, is it possible that a dad has abandoned his child and then through some weird coincidence, the child stumbles across the dad and they're reunited, but the dad keeps that information hidden until his death. How can they give you that story and then just take it away? Wasn't there a very similar story about the kid who returned a wallet? Do you remember this from a few seasons ago? And there was like a really creepy butler who yes. like yeah. let him in. And he's with, like a lo- with a really tall butler. Very tall, and very long-faced butler. Small oh, face. A horse-faced butler <laughs> gave him a ton of money. And it was true, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So... That what does that tell you about this one? Possibly, possibly. no correlation. I know. <laughs> it's like it tells me absolutely. Why are you voting only this episode based on past episodes? <laughs> That's a horrible strategy for someone going for a hundred. Especially for someone who doesn't remember the old <laughs> yeah. episodes very well. Um, Chris's strategy. What was that one story that was like this? I don't remember, like and seasons? I don't remember what it was. But I'll vote fact. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and I'd also just like to point out that for any shameless fans out there, the fifteen-year-old kid is actually. Um, he he plays Steve in Shameless mm-hmm. for I think Steve is that in, the William H Macy show? Yeah, it's great. It's a great show. It. It's it. it's so fun, and Steve's actually a fun character. And this is a weird thing to say, but I recognize him kind of like from his eyes because he's so much younger, but he has like a very particular. Eyes. He looked like Malcolm in the middle of a garbage can, <laughs> or that. So you know, in- interesting. Okay, <laughs> like the the fact that this took place in New York City makes it actually more unbelievable to me. Why? Because there's so many people. Yeah, but I also feel like there's a part of me where I'm like, you know, this is a, a guy who obviously had a hard life. He was an alcoholic. Maybe he didn't get to move all that far. He may have abandoned his son, but he may have lived nearby. And if a 15-year-old kid is homeless, it's not like he's going to be venturing all the way across the city or to a different state. So while that totally, of course, makes sense, if it's a big city, it's harder to believe. There is a, a kernel there where I'm like, if neither of them ventured all that far from wherever their home was at one point, they would be in a relatively similar area, potentially. Now, here's a pessimistic version of this story. <laughs> there it oh, is. What if the dad is just lying? What will be a story. What if he's not the dad at <laughs> yeah, all? Yeah, tr- wants to give him some closure. Closure to, the, yeah. to, the, to his life? Oh, that's a crazy that's idea. That's still beautiful, though. It's still beautiful, but it makes it actually more likely to me because it's like... But well, then yeah, what if just... he ran into his real dad and that whole situation happened <laughs> right. again? Oh, and then his dad comes back and really wants to be a part of his life. And he goes, no, you're lying. You're a pervert. My you're dad not just my passed dad. away. Pervert? Then, Where did that well, come from? <laughs> no, because... Why this isn't Frakes person... before this episode started. Come on. Well, I read did, this one for the articles. Did anyone else think it was like already kind of there's like this weirdly dark detail in the letter where it's like I recognize you from the belt buckle you were wearing because that's the one that I used to beat you with. And I was like, whoa, like what this yeah. this that's way. where the pervert comes well, in. Well, I, yeah. I was gonna say am I right, Mark? I think he was acknowledging <laughs> that, that he was he, a terrible dad. And that it was it was I was just saying they kind of just like put that in really quickly, but here's fifty thousand dollars. And I was like, I guess this is good. Well, yeah, the real letter in real life probably was a little longer. <laughs> yeah, let's hope All so. All I'm saying is if you knew your who your dad was and clearly someone who wasn't your dad came up to you and said hey it's me I'm your daddy you would go get away perv if he said daddy <laughs> yeah I think yeah. it's all yeah, the if he went I'm there. your father then it's and you're a different like you're story not my goes, father and he kept I'm, following if he goes, I'm your father I'm if he's your like father. who's your daddy and then well, maybe, he might. yeah <laughs> 
the original line in Empire Strikes Back, I believe, was, Luke, I am your daddy. <laughs> and it worked, and it went down in history. And it went down yeah. in history. Let's go ahead on to predictions. Darth Perv. I'll, uh, I'll go first. Do I think it's possible that a father and son just randomly got reconnected somewhere in, in, in a city, whether large or small? Yeah, I do. I'm going to go fact on this one. Mark. Uh, yeah, I think it's a coincidence story, and it's also a very sweet story, so I'm going to go fact. Chris? Haven't all of these stories so far been coincidence stories? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go fact. I feel I feel like, uh, yeah, there's nothing uh, crazy or supernatural about this. Tiffany? Yeah, I think there's a solid uh, kernel of truth here, so I'm going to go fact. Kyle? Beautiful story. Love it. Uh, coincidence ones tend to be true. I'm going fact. Let's flip a coin. All right. Guys, we are all in agreement. Fact all the way down. And we are going to move on to story number four, which is called The Murder of Roy Hennessy. My God, what was that? I don't know. A car backfire? I don't think there's a road on that side of the cemetery. Well, what else could it be? That's weird. What? That guy. I suppose he worked here. It's nobody I've seen before. Oh, forget about him. He's not even your type. Meaning what? Look, that was a gunshot. Graveyards all around. I'd buy that. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. That was a different story. A voodoo dollar? A voodoo Robo dollar. <laughs> a, vu- a voodoo doo-doo dollar. Who do the Too voodoo much. that you do? Ooh, call back to another title of an episode that we had long ago. Whose story is this? Tiffany. It is mine. <laughs> You're going to give us a summary here. What happened? So two high school students, Michelle and Stacy, are doing a school project within the cemetery looking at um, genealogies of you know different inhabitants of their town who have passed away. While they're in the cemetery, they see this man uh, shoot somebody and run off. They go up to the person who's been shot, and all he says as he's dying is... Tell them that Roy Hennessy was shot by Jerry Fletcher. So the cops come, they can't find a body, and then they bring the supposed suspect, Jerry Fletcher, in the back of a cop car. The girls identify him, and that's when the police officer tells them Jerry Fletcher has been in police custody for hours. There's no way you could have seen him, but the murder of Roy Hennessy in this exact cemetery has been unsolved for two years. So he died two years ago. Nobody can, you know, explain what the girl saw. They're very adamant that, you know, they saw Jerry Fletcher kill Roy Hennessy. And so the cop decides to test the Jerry Fletcher's gun. And it is a exact match for the murder of Roy Hennessy two years prior. So this story is asking us to believe, is it possible that two girls witness a murder in a graveyard that actually occurred two years prior? They almost saw this kind of like lingering Ghost murder. Finally, I can bring yeah. the ghostly rules into this show. Yeah, but before you do, you know what's fiction? Those girls were not in high school. I know. They were a lot older than that. Anyway, go ahead, also, Chris. Also, I I, one other thing I do want to say. They were left back for a decade. <laughs> is Jonathan Frakes, he, he'll give these like, oh, maybe this happened. And his thing for this one was like, maybe some other local high schoolers were playing a prank on them by staging a murder yeah, you know, it's of someone like, who it's had like, died it's there. It's like Civil War reenactments. It's like <laughs> murders from two years ago reenactments. Yeah, yeah it's totally solid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ghostly rules here for um, 
for those of you who follow. Chris is our ghostly rules expert. Chris, where do you get the ghostly rules from? Well, I collected over uh, the course of many years by watching countless television shows about psychics, ghosts, the paranormal, and uh, cryptozoology. (laughs) His favorite subjects. You have a book out now, don't you, Chris? Why don't you tell us about that? It's called Dr. Chris (laughs) Newt's Cryptozoology and And More. more. (laughs) Forward. By Kyle Maddox. <laughs> hey, I am a published forward author. Oh, what book? Uh, Game, of, <laughs> Game of Thrones Psychology. The mind is dark and full of terrors. Buy now on Amazon and read Kyle's section and only Kyle's section. <laughs> no, that's not true. The rest of the book is much better than my forward. <laughs> um, the ghost rules here. You have a what looks to be a residual haunting where you see an event that has happened already, like replay out. But when the ghost tells these two girls the specific names of this person, tell tell someone that this person killed this person, that tells me that that is not the case. That that is obviously something even uh, more, what would you call it? Intellect. uh, It's on loop. It's not just an echo of the killing. Exactly. There's additional information. Because now there are people present and he is... The echo has changed and it is now saying names that it didn't say when it died originally. So what exactly? So that is a some kind of uh, sentient being that is relaying this information is what. It, so, uh, but what does this mean though? <laughs> yeah, but ghosts say elaborate things. <laughs> so well, it's ghosts on a loop. But then one. But then I think the, it's totally reasonable to it. think that fr- there was information. Uh, that needed to get out to these people. And so they saw something that encouraged them to provide. It's almost like they were temporary psychics. You know, they were given information to give to authorities. Then why did the ghosts not just give it to the authorities? Like, if all this really (laughs) results in... Perhaps the girls had a mentality that would allow them having seen this to believe it whereas maybe a cop he can't or, hear the frequency or, or, perha- yeah, he or perhaps these girls knew something when the murder actually happened and it's been eating at them for two years and they've so, been trying ooh. to figure out a way to yeah, there let the no authorities ghost, out of know without no incriminating themselves no ghost involved mm-hmm. in all is what you're saying yeah potentially they and, killed, and, the, and the girls they either, killed Roy Hennessy and then they framed him <laughs> we're moving on to predictions everybody Mark <laughs> fact or fiction yeah um a little different than stuff we've seen before, but still seems very beyond belief. So I'm going to go fiction. Chris. It's the first ghost one of the of the night, and uh, and because of that, I'm just going to go fact. Just for fun. Hey, why not? Tiffany. I like this story, and I feel like there's a kernel of truth of just like this two-year murder being solved somehow. So I'm going to randomly go fact. Kyle. I have no good reason to <laughs> vote fact on this, but I think it is. I'm going to go fact. I think that Kyle's theory was what I was thinking when I was watching the episode. They just knew something or overheard something and made this elaborate story up to convey this information to police. So I am going to go fact as well. Let's flip a coin. Fiction is what the coin is going to vote. And we are going to move on to story number five, our fifth and final story of tonight's episode, which is called Mysterious Strangers. The romance of the trail, the notion of the grizzled cowboys riding into the sunset, it's always meant heroic freedom to most Americans, but not everyone in the Old West lived an adventurous life. A good many of them, like Zarelda Hart, struggled to get by, barely making ends meet. She lives alone in her tiny cabin, 
sometimes not seeing another soul for weeks at a time, until one fateful night. The banker was a man who was trained in counting money. And then he proceeded to count nine $100 bills. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. That's he a four-year college. so trained. He is so trained. This was a long time ago. Speaking of a long time ago, Mark, we watched this episode a long time ago, and you're going to give us a story summary. What happened here? Sure. Uh, well, it took place in the Old West, and there's this old lady named Zerelda. And uh, one night, two travelers stop in. They're kind of creepy. But, you know, Zerelda is very kind and makes them food and gives them blankets. And she reveals that her husband died a long time ago and she lives by herself. And, you know, they, they stay up late and, and they're talking. And Zerelda starts explaining how, you know, after her husband died, she didn't have enough money to pay, I guess, the mortgage or, you know, on the on the house. So the bank is actually coming tomorrow to take away the house. And it's very sad. Uh, the next day she wakes up, the travelers are gone, but $900 is left for her. Nine $100 bills, exactly the amount she needs to save her home from the bank. The bank uh, man arrives. He gets the money. It's very strange. She demands a receipt, which is odd. She demands a receipt because they instructed her to demand a receipt. Oh, in the letter? Yeah. Mm, un- unbeknownst to why she, Got why it. she needs oh, to Okay, that. That's, uh, that sets it up better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the bank man heads out and the travelers surprise him, you know, with guns and bandanas and they steal back the money and it's revealed that this is Jesse and Frank James. So this story is asking us to believe, (laughs) is it possible that Jesse James and Frank James, famous bank robbers from yesteryear, stumble across an old lady who is in dire need of money, they give her the money and then basically rob the money back from a guy. It's kind of like a folk tale type thing. Yeah. yeah. Totally plausible. Am I the only one who didn't know Frank James was a nope. person? I actually had no idea that uh, was a person. He might not either. be a person. That would be really bold of them. Yeah. Like, do you think this one happened? No. And Frank James is a complete lie as well. You dumb, <laughs> you dumb shit. <laughs> he rode with Robert Ford and everyone knows that. What I really loved is all of us were skeptical enough after watching so many episodes that we all thought that Zerelda was going to somehow be like the evil oh, like old was... woman where she like poisons them oh, and steals I was their money a, I was getting or the something. coven of witches yeah, flashback. Yeah, exactly. I loved go, that. I'm going to go so far as to say that her campy acting made it seem like she was disingenuous. And that's why we had that vibe. Because there yeah. were many moments where she was like, my husband died. Yeah. I had to borrow $900 and pay the pay. And we were all just like, I don't know if I believe a yeah. word you're saying. <laughs> Pulling this out of her ass. Yeah, exactly. I know. Does anyone else get the vibe, Colonel of Truth Time, did anyone else get the vibe that this story was the prequel to The Legend of Zerelda, A Bank to the Past? Uh-huh. Oh. You look so proud of yourself. Oh my God. That was nerdy, even for me. Chris looks so annoyed right now. You know that off the top of your head. I mean, it's Zelda's lullaby. Give me the Nintendo 64 controller, and I will get that correct on those C C left, C up, (laughs) C right, C left, C up, C right. We know it. I don't see... This is another coincidence-based story. Here's the one thing. Here's the one... Well, no, then the bank guy would have told It could have been one of those folk tales. It's the bank guy's story, though. Because he's the only person that would... the old lady can say... No, but the old lady didn't know that the bank guy was robbed, necessarily. Mm. 
Yeah, she's or old. would the bank guy have gone back and told the old I'm lady? I'm sure. Did yeah, you plan or maybe this? it's in the news. It just does seem like in the news. Possibly, there's they news had, back then. Yeah, they had this flyers. This is the late 1800s. This is Walter Cronkite. <laughs> a woman was robbed. Not the, lo- not the nightly local. Put dude. it out on the wire, boys. <laughs> well, you know, the press is an important part of democracy, and that was inserted into uh, the establishment of our government and our whole system. So God. boring. If it's not the ghostly rules. It's the newsly rules. <laughs> <laughs> No, the one thing I would say is this kind of feels like a story that someone would tell, like uh, one of those like family urban legends, if you will, where it's like, oh, well, someone in my family got money from these two famous bank robbers. Yeah. Does That's anyone all I got. know? Does anyone know the Jesse James story? Uh, anything about his life? Or no, I am I am named after Jesse James. My middle name is actually James. So you must know his history. <laughs> I borrow nine hundred dollars. Let's go to predictions, okay, everybody. Okay. Uh, I'll kick it off. Um, do I think it's possible that this old folk tale happened? Absolutely. But I think in this particular case, the people mentioned are a little too famous, and the story is a little too folksy to be true. So I'm going to go fiction. Mark. Um, it does seem very folktale-y, but if it's a folktale from that time that's been written down like who's to say it's not true like, yeah they'll probably old... just say it's true even though if it's completely yeah. not so gonna go fact kyle i'm a sucker for these historical stories fact tiffany there's no way to tell if it's true or not so i'm gonna say true chris i realized that i am at three facts and one fiction and i don't think that in the premiere episode of a new season that they're going to have four facts and so i'm going to say for meta reasons fiction Okay, just so you know, they could still have the spread that you're talking about, but this one could be fact. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> That's part of the game. <laughs> Are we playing a game or what? <laughs> huh? I borrow 900. Okay, just flip the coin. Okay. Flip, the, flip the coin. The coin is going to vote fiction, and in a moment, we're going to find out which stories were fact and which were fiction. Stay with us. Do you guys remember the prophecy board? Oh, with Becky? (laughs) Becky? Yeah. That was from season one, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was an episode of Beyond Belief, season one, episode three, story Mm -hmm. one. Wait, the original Barb. You looked that up. You did not know that. (laughs) I looked it up, but I did not have to look up. Jill, that ain't no rap. <laughs> when, and, ooh, the maniacal laugh yes. at the end. It's all coming back to me now. So if you guys haven't heard this episode, basically it's about these girls that have a, a Ouija board, but they call it a prophecy board, probably for copyright reasons. And they communicate with the spirit. And then the next day, one of the girls disappears. And, you know, truth be told, off air, we've been talking about Ouija boards a lot. And Chris, you had a scary Ouija experience of your own. But I, I've never had a scary Ouija experience. Have you guys? Have you ever had a Ouija experience? None. Me neither. Not at all. I've ne- literally, no joke, never have put my hands on, what do you call it, the indicator, I guess? Pointer. Sure. Pointer. <laughs> yeah. I, think I believe it's called a planchette. Guys, I want a scary Ouija experience. I want a Ouija experience that horrifies me. So you want all of us to get together and do a little Ouija. Can we do a Ouija? What if 
Nothing happens. I wouldn't be surprised because I don't believe in it, not one bit. Well, I, I don't know. I, I didn't will. Sign on for this. I have, I have said that I will not do it. Oh, so Chris will carry on the show if we're yeah. all killed. Yeah, if we're killed. Board. Okay, it'll yeah. just be Chris's ghostly rules. It's what he's always wanted. In truth, I am terrified of what you guys are doing. And I wish you all the best you're not luck. Jo- you're not joking. To I'm not joking. To be clear for the listeners. I am not joking. We're going to get together and do a Ouija night. And Chris has said he's absolutely not participating. We talked about for this real. behind the scenes. And I said, you guys can do it. And I support you. But A, I'm not going to be involved. And B, it will not happen where I live. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not like thrilled with the idea. Like, I, I'm very skeptical. And I don't believe in really That's any the of beauty. this. But you're this, even but scared. But you don't want to fuck with it. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know... I don't believe in it, but normally given the chance, I'd say no, because I'm like, why chance the point zero 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 one percent And that means you're a believer, too. So what's the plan? The plan is to do a Ouija night. Tomorrow? Tonight? Right now? No. We got to mm-hmm. buy it. I don't own one. Okay. So <laughs> so each so each episode, we're going to move further along. Yeah. We follow, follow our journey as okay. we go along. We'll have to buy it. I will probably want to do some research of like... What are the do's and don'ts? Like, how do we approach this? I don't want to just kind of half-ass this. I want to legitimately put together something that is going to maximize our chances of having the most authentic experience. And we have to fill seven episodes worth. Yeah, so we're going to stretch it out as much as possible. Well, we could get, um, if we wanted to go real serious on this, we could get something called a talking board. Which is actually the precursor Mm. to a Ouija board. Wait, what? It came first? How do you know this? So this was... you know, I look shit up. You have your phone out <laughs> right there. You guys, there. like, said <laughs> okay. I need to talk about Ouija. So, <laughs> shut up. I don't have my phone right here. So, um, uh, yeah, there used to be uh, the mediums and stuff. They were trying to look for ways to contact the dead and different things. And so, they kind of came up with the the alphabet and having them talk through that and whatnot. But they came out with um, table boards first, uh, which were basically the same thing as Ouija boards, but they were more like serious kind of looking. And it wasn't uh, until uh, this this the the guy who invented Ouija board came along. He didn't invent it. He sort of just turned the table boards into toys. Is it on eBay? Yeah, sure. Why not? Right. No. Does I have the no table idea. board have two day prime shipping? <laughs> All right. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe we need to go super authentic to make the experience as authentic as possible. Yeah, or just get the one that Hasbro makes. Yeah. And uh, uh, just for kicks, the the name Ouija, suppose, here's the story. Apparently, uh, he used the board and it spelled out, he wanted to know what to name it. And so he used a talking board and it spelled out Ouija. Fiction. What and, are you talking and, about? And Ouija is Egyptian for good luck. Ooh. What? It's a goddamn toy. Oh, you guys well, are nuts. I'm super excited to dive in. I'm a little scared, not that scared, because it is just a toy, but, you know. I can't wait till you guys report back. Where are we doing this? Because Chris has already said that we cannot do it at our apartment. Um, We, hmm. Well, you guys are moving. Yeah. So you could just use your place now and then if it, <laughs> oh, yeah. if it got haunted or something, you just like you're leaving in a few weeks. We'll, anyway. t- we'll time it so that like we do it and then you guys move out and then Perfect. there you go. Okay. Yeah. Somebody I else's mean, problem. I would say that isn't it normally that spirits like follow you. So I don't want to. Yeah. That's demons. No, demons follow oh. you. Demons well, what if we you. talk to a demon? I don't know if you can communicate with a demon through a Ouija board. Not um, according to Misty Monroe, you definitely can. Oh, and it is a paranormal <laughs> activity. You can talk to a demon in that as well. And that is fact, paranormal fact. activity. Can Absolutely. I contact Rumpelstiltskin through it? Guys, the easiest Ouija board to find is the Hasbro Ouija board. 
but I have a feeling that that may not be authentic enough. So we should probably figure out, does the Hasbro board have Finding any, the right board is finding the, the first right board. step. All right. Well, stick around as we journey over this uh, next seven episodes of this first half of the season and see if it is terrifying. Which stories were fact and which were fiction? First up, first story, The Devil's Signature. This is the one about the guy who just tripped and was impaled by a pen after admitting to murder. Can't get me double jeopardy. It was good. It was good. (laughs) Sure it was. Um, As a recap, Chris, you voted fact on this one because, quote, it was good, it was good, (laughs) and everyone else voted fiction. Let's find out what the truth is. The law books are filled with bizarre tales of people who met with strange ends after their trial. Was this one? Yes. An event like this happened to a lawyer from upstate New York in the 70s. Fact. Did did you okay, a few things. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, yeah. Chris, yeah. on getting the yeah. sole winner. Yeah, fuck you, Chris. Secondly, Whoa. the sound effect for the factor fictions was much more Star Trekky. Usually it's this yes. kind of vault sound, and it was much more like pew like a laser. Yeah, like a like laser. A, maybe beam. a laser cannon. Was it factor fiction? Pew! Fact. <laughs> pew fiction. It's gonna be very different this uh this season. You know what I liked about this was that we got who told the story. Right. It's, it happened to the lawyer. So that it's is coming from, coming from the lawyer. Coming from the lawyer. That makes total sense. They they, they cited their sources. Mm. They did. They're, they're doing their MLA format. Oh, God. Mr. Osborne takes me back. You know, speaking of, of teachers. <laughs> Next one. Next one. Uh, story Next number story. two. This is called Mail Order Degree. This is the one about the scam artist running a scam college and he got a voodoo doll that ended up being a scam because it didn't do anything but the radiology department next door gave him cancer now as a reminder mark and i think that this actually happened because it's too complicated it has to be fact that's what your (laughs) argument is we'll see no idea tiffany kyle chris you guys think this is fix sharuni let's find out what the truth is is it possible this story is true yes it is a similar story occurred outside New York City in the late 80s. Thank Fact. Uh, sorry, Chris, your 100 is out right away. Oof. Oofa. Oofa. That Oofa. hurt. Oofa. Doopity doo. I got another story for you. Do, do, do. Come on. Let's just keep going. Story number three. This is called The Newsstand. This is the one about the father and son separated because the dad was apparently abusive and kicked the kid out of the house and then uh, later was reunited and left him $50,000. That's everything he had in savings. Uh, As a recap, everyone thought this was fact. Let's find out what the truth is. Was this story based on a real happening? Not this time. Our writers made it up. Okay. Fiction. All the schmaltzy episodes, for the most part. Oh, fiction. We have a new rule. Schmaltzy. The schmaltz the rule. The schmaltz rule. Has this happened? Yeah. Do you remember this specifically happening in past seasons? Oh, yeah. Why didn't you detect it and tell us this? I was thinking about detect it. Detect it. You were thinking yes, about it, and then Mark. Decide. Why did you not detect this rule <laughs> and tell us about it? Your algorithm wasn't on. I, I'm really sad that that one is not. I really liked that story. I didn't really yeah. say it at yeah. the time. Well, that's all it was, was a story. Now let's move on to story number four. <laughs> Speaking of stories, story number four. The murder of Roy Hennessy. Two women find a man who murdered another man, but they're seeing through a time portal, maybe. Or maybe it's fiction. I don't know. As a recap, Chris, Tiffany, Kyle, and myself, we think this actually happened. Mark? Bring it on. 
Mark, you, when I was a lone wolf, yeah. I did it. You could do it. Well, yeah. We'll see. Let's find out what the truth is. Was this story inspired by an actual event? Yes. Our research found a published report of a similar story. Fact. We found a published report. Yeah, what is it? Doesn't even have a time frame on that well, one. Well, back in the day, they didn't even tell you that much. They were just like, do you think this actually happened? It did. Mark, this was your story, Mysterious Strangers. Uh-huh. I had to borrow 900. I just wanted to do it one more time. Oh, stop please, it, stop. please. Mark, Kyle, Tiffany, you guys think this is fact? Chris, you and I are in it alone. <laughs> Let's find out what the truth is. Can it be this story is fact? Yes, it is. The event was reported as having taken place in the Ozark foothills in 1870. Fact. Mark's point is well taken. They're just going to, or was it Kyle? They're just going to say it's fact. Because the records are flimsy? Yeah, because somebody told it. Guys, let's go ahead and quickly recap the statistics. Did anyone only get one right this this episode? Mmm. Great, great, great. We're doing good. We're doing good. Okay, did anyone only get two correct this episode? Tiffany, wait, what? <laughs> and the coin. Hold on. Tif- Whoa. This episode wiped us out. Kyle, Tiffany, Mark, Chris, and the coin all got two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what, guys? It looks like I also got two. <laughs> oh, my God. I was right. That Holy is cow. insane. Wow. That's the first time that's happened. First time. Season four took us like a mop and wiped the floor with us. Sure. Or that's a, a good Swiffer. Metaphor. Or a Swiffer. Yeah, that too. Wow. Could be a vacuum cleaner. So a who wet, got a wet three back. right? <laughs> four? No, nobody? <laughs> Five? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So wow. what do we learn going forward into season four? We all got two right, but we all got different twos right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So thanks for listening, you guys. This was so much fun. It's good to be back. Season it four. It is good to be back. I hope you guys liked the Q&A episode that we posted recently. Give us some feedback on that. Do you like that? Do you like this? Do you like anything that we do? <laughs> Let us know if you'd like us to try something else that's fun and new and exciting. We're up for doing things. We have a few ideas. Uh floating around hmm. um mark's like we do season four <laughs> is going to be full of excitement and full of different special bonus episodes and full of more of mark <laughs> we're gonna do unfortunately a, we're gonna do an episode there. where mark is all five guests and he's gonna record the entire show through five times right and we're gonna cut it together cut like it, he's yeah. talking to him like mark is gonna be the eddie murphy of this show Playing oh, the clumps. Beyond Beyond Belief with Mark, 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 and Mark. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. Hello, Hercules. hello, 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 hello. That's a fact. <laughs> there would be one Mark that would steal Kyle's Yeah, intro. of course. God damn it, Mark. <laughs> of course. I was so mad when I listened to that. It's like Mark Simplicity. <laughs> That's a good one. It's pretty yeah. good. Mark will keep. It'll be the tag. It'll be the tag. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much for listening at home. And until next week. This is Beyond, Beyond Belief. 
Beyond Beyond Belief is produced by five friends living in Los Angeles. Our theme song was written for this podcast by David Russo, who composed music for the original series. Our introduction is voiced by Mark Winston. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and tell a friend. All audio clips are used strictly for educational commentary and are copyright their original creators. You can send us feedback or questions or share your own story that is beyond belief by visiting our website at beyond. <laughs> Belief.com as well as what are you doing? He looks Showed like up. he's trying to read this as Moses spreading the sea. I was kind of jutting my arms up to keep my energy up, and everyone started laughing and making me laugh. Find our show notes and links to us on social media. Thanks for listening. He looks like a bad Power Ranger. Is he having a seizure? Sabertooth Tiger! What's her? So, but I, I, I honestly, I, I don't see. This is another coincidence-based story. What's going on? Mark <laughs> keeps trying to pull the headphones out of my and ears. He's playing with my wire. <laughs> he's been doing it all. Show. Mark's been playing with my wire for a while. You guys, under the table, if you know what I Keep mean. Keep your hands to yourself, Mark. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what's the? I mean, we don't really have anything to go about. You guys know.